HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Gary Vaynerchuk, my most favorite person in the world. You know why I said that? Because you're not in love with your family? No, we had you on once before, which I'll talk about later. And I said, one of my most favorite people in the world. And you said to me, who's who's more favorite than me? <laughs> so I'm prefacing this show that it. you're my most favorite person I in the world. It. Thanks for We're having me. We're going to talk to Gary about wine, tech, social media, empathy, and more. We'll taste the Barolo for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. The peeps. The peeps. All right, Gary really doesn't need an introduction, but I'll give you an introduction. Gary Vaynerchuk is chairman of VaynerX, a media holding company, and the CEO of VaynerMedia, a full-service advertising agency, both cutting-edge. Gary is a five-time New York Times best-selling author, a sought-after public speaker, and prolific angel investor. Gary is ubiquitous online. Check him out on Daily V, the Gary V audio experience, Ask Gary V, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube, and on and on. All right? So you ask, why is Gary on the Grape Nation? Yes. Gary got his start in wine, Mm -hmm. in the family wine biz. And not long after that, he became an internet sensation with Wine Library TV. So that's why we have Gary on all the time. Gary, welcome back to the Grape Nation. I appreciate it, brother. First of all, you have to tell everybody, because this is an audio platform, you have one of the best t-shirts I've seen. Listen, 
I love you a lot for a lot of reasons. I also love to razz you. I don't love to throw compliments to you because you've already got a big enough head. This this show obviously is exploding and taking over the nation. <laughs> um, tell everybody what t-shirt you're wearing because it's amazing. Can we curse on the show? No, right? Yeah, yeah I, I we per- shouldn't. We shouldn't, right, okay. Um, I am wearing the New York Rangers logo, but instead of New York Rangers, it says Northern Rhone. And right now, my two favorite wines are wines from the Northern Rhone and Cru Beaujolais and a little Barolo. But we'll get into that later. What are you going to do with all that California wine you spent a fortune on? Oh, boy. I've been like auctioning it off little by little. Has Trouty bought any? He doesn't want any. Yeah, he's super bougie, Francophile, right? All right, listen to me. You guys are a bunch of you nerds were out on here. Episode, Everybody listening, real quick. You were on episode 10 yes. of The Grape Nation. This is now episode 80. That's amazing, man. Congratulations. So Thank you, you for having me. bitched and moaned that you had to do this twice. Right. It's not like you did it two months later. No, but I mean, let's call it what it is. I'm, you know, I'm easily the third most famous guest of all time behind... <laughs> right up there, Pierre and, and Krug. I get it. All right. So I want you to give... I want you to give our listeners a little yes. background on your journey in life and wine. Okay. But I don't want you to start from the very beginning. I okay. think a lot of people know you about it. My okay. interest here is sort of when the whole wine thing started with you, which sort of has a family history. Of course. But take it to the point, you know, when you were bagging ice and where that. In 1991, um, 1990, uh, actually 1989, 1990, summer of 89 into 90, my dad dragged me into the liquor store that he owned. My dad's journey was Stockboy in Clark, New Jersey. No wine culture. Immigrant. Immigrant. I, I, my dad, we were born in uh, Belarus in the former Soviet Union. You know, vodka country. My dad came to the US, Clark, New Jersey, blue collar town, mainly on the back of liquor and beer. And then um, basically what happened was he bought a small store in Springfield, New Jersey, which bordered Short Hills, Milburn, Livingston Summit, all these affluent areas. And there was a little bit of wine demand. I got involved as a kid, you know, first son, oldest son, born in the old country, not particularly a good student. So I'm sure they were like, get your butt into work. Two bucks an hour, bagging ice. You know, I actually remember this vividly, like reading the Wine Spectator and the Robert Parker Wine Advocate while I went to go poop. I know that might be a little bit too aggressive for this show, but I used to poop, so I feel okay with it. And I would just read it and I didn't understand. I was like, what's 90 points? And like, the spectator was, this is not a joke. I'm pretty old actually. This is funny for me to say. I mean, I know there's some kids in here recording all this. The spectator was in black and white when I first started really? reading it. Yeah. It wasn't the it, big glossy. It went to color like in the early wow. 90s. Um, I don't even remember that. And I'm way older than you. Well, that's you. mainly because of your memory. But, and so what ended up True. happening was I, uh, I, I just got into it. Some, you know, it's really funny. Um, I really was into baseball cards, collecting all that, and it, took I mean, a pay cut. Well, that's for sure. What Sam's referring to, everyone, is I was making two, three, four thousand dollars a weekend selling baseball cards to making, you know, twenty four dollars, <laughs> <laughs> getting my butt beat in at the liquor store. But it was great because about a year or two in, I realized that people collected wine. And that was game changing for me. Like I, at that point, I kind of thought I could help the family business. I wanted to. I grew up in a very nurturing, tremendous, loving family business environment, and so I wanted to jump into the business. I wasn't like running away from it. And um, and just this notion of people collecting wine, I was like, finally something that's cool. Because my dad, my dad's store at the time was called Shoppers Discount Liquors, and that's what it was. It was be, it was 
Doors White Label, JB Scotch, like Frangelica, Bailey's Irish Cream. Gallo wine. Gallo. If you're listening, I mean, we used to sell four liters. Like it was, like, <laughs> if you're listening and you're over 55, like this all makes sense to you. Um, and uh, people were coming in though. Like, I'll never forget it. I heard the word Camus twice on the same weekend. And, I, and, and even like for fun, I really thought I heard it as Camus or like I remember like that. And I remember, you know, this is pre-internet. Right. So there was no looking anything up. And I remember like probably like four months later going through the Wine Spectator and seeing a 95 and I was like, whoa. And it was Camus Special Select. And I was like, oh, that's that Camus stuff. You know, like, for, I still can't pronounce it. Anybody who watched a thousand episodes of Wine Library TV knows that I can't, you know, the amount of emails I got from France and Italy and Spain that started with, dear sir, thank you so much for giving exposure to my wine. Uh, real quick though, it is pronounced, and they would put it, I still wouldn't understand what that meant. Phonetically. There's, yeah, there's a real reason I failed all my classes. Uh, but I, uh, it clicked. It clicked around 16, and that, and that was my sophomore going into junior year. My junior and senior year of high school, I read The Wine Spectator, Stephen Tanzer's International Wine Cellar. That was hardcore. Or I was very nerdy early. Uh, so you were roped in by then. I was roped in, man. I wanted, to, I remember at 17, you know, I'm looking at some people in this room and people listening that know me, you know me. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, you know, you guys know me, like, I was all in. I cared about no girls. I cared about no school. I cared about nothing but the New York Jets, which was only 16 Sundays a year, and to learn everything I could about wine. I read Jancis Robinson's Wine Encyclopedia. I read the, I memorized everything. I mean, I knew more about California wine as a 16, like it was uncanny. Was that most of the focus, your expertise it was so early e- it on? Was, was it was easy Cali to- Cali wines? Sure, because I didn't know how to pronounce the other stuff. I didn't know what Puyak meant. I was the like, Spectator what? also was, focused sure, heavily on. yes. But like, to Spectator's credit back then, like, you know, I just didn't know what a Kornos was. I was like, Kornos? You know, like, like I just didn't know. Right. And uh, internet pops in 94. I'm like, wait a minute. I start learning. I go on the early prodigy boards. Quickly became Mark, Squ- Mark Squires. E. Robert Parker, first it was the Mark Squires bulletin board, then it became the E. Robert Parker board. I learned a ton. It became a community. I learned a ton there now. Like, is Wine Berserker still popping? It's Wine Berserkers, that's the energy of that for all the nerds listening. I, uh, I learned a lot there. And then, and then my palate, man, I really like, I was very focused on having a good palate. I tasted a lot. I remember being very emotional in, 21 to 22, 23, because I didn't taste anything. It was just red, white. I remember unbelievably going crazy at a Lauber Imports event when I tasted Mossy Amarone, and it tasted like chocolate, like for real, like as if it's I- It's a big, thick wine. As if, I, to your, yes, and, and the chocolate, like it was little. I will never forget it like yesterday. This is 98, 2000. It was 1998, I had a cell phone, not a smartphone. I was in the Ryland Inn in New Jersey. Is that still around? Yes. I went to the Ryland Inn for a Lauber Sussex, which was a small division they had. They had Whitehall Lane, Elise, all these different nerdy things. I tasted Mossy Amarone. I tasted chocolate. It was the biggest relief of my life because I was like, wait a minute. I tasted something that wasn't red wine 
Because you understand, at this point I knew everything. At this point, Wine Library was already kicking. I rebranded it, I launched a website in 96, 97. Like, I was already like in it, right? I knew a lot. But back up for a second. I will. You launched the website. Yeah, I'll go to that in a minute. Nobody but I, was doing that. I'll go to that in a minute, but I, this is a big deal actually for my wine story. I ran out of the Ryland Inn and called my mom. <laughs> Why? It was big, Sam. It was, it, was, it was super big. I was like, mom, it's gonna be good. Like I, I tasted some, I tasted a flavor in a wine and it was chocolate. And it was mom, it was like if I ate a Snickers bar. And so it was a big deal for me. I got really into it. Backing up, the, 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 the essential moment of my career is launching winelibrary.com in 1996, 1997. Uh, I was still in college. I, didn't, uh, I launched a website, Spacegate Interactive. Charged me $25,000 for what basically took him a day to make. Alex, <laughs> if I find you, I'm gonna kill you. Completely ripped me off, but I had a website. It was super revolutionary. Everybody thought it was stupid. This is before the Wine Spectator had a website. This is before Parker. Like, this way before. Way before, two, three years. Uh, and so it was a big deal. I innovated email marketing when Sherry Lehman, Zaki's, Sam's in Chicago, Wine Exchange, K&L, you know, B21, like all the players, Nash Specs, none of them were doing it. I was a kid, I was super knowledgeable. Now let me tell you another thing about me. At 16, 17, I used to get the New York Times on Wednesday morning in my high school. The food and, and wine section. Uh-huh, and I would rip out the ads from Garnett's and Crossroads and Sherry Lehman's. I was obsessed. I was obsessed with beating them. I, I, I ache it to, if you're a young athlete and you come into the league and you watched every film of every snap that Tom Brady took because you're a safety and you're young Ed Reed and you just want, like I knew, I knew more about Crossroads, Garnett's, uh, Astor, Sherry Lehman's and Zaki's than they knew about themselves, I guarantee it. So what they were carrying and what they were charging? 100%. You just knew every week? Everything. Okay. And so uh, I went on to build a very large business. When um, did uh, Wine I, Library TV pop in? February 21st, 2006. So way West, after the internet way after, and things after. started really growing. Oh yeah, the business was yeah. big already. I think the misconception a lot in my narrative is it was YouTube and, wine, and social media that built Wine Library. I built it on direct mail, email, Google AdWords. Customer service. Customer service, selection, size. There was a lot of other things. I mean, I, I exponentially grew it with social, but um, that was everything. I mean, like I'm looking at, you know, John and Nate sitting here with us. That's how they found out about me in Arizona and Boston. And so, like, Wine Library TV was... Me too. You too. I found you on Wine yeah. Library Wine TV. Wine Library TV was, you know, I don't think I talk enough about how, in hindsight, revolutionary that... I mean, you know, kids are like, ah, oh, should I do YouTube marketing? I mean, I, I did YouTube marketing <laughs> 12 years ago. 12 years years ago, I decided it was a good idea to do original content on YouTube to drive a business result. Today, I'm considered revolutionary in marketing for telling people to do YouTube. That's funny. I mean, I mean, so, <laughs> I mean it's, it's flabbergasting. Anyway, it was very controversial in very small pockets in 2006, seven. A lot of people had a lot of negative things to say about me. I was very Jersey. I, I did a lot of things that weren't popular. It resonated with the youth and people that were youth in their head like you. You were old, but you saw what it was. And uh, more importantly, 
the greatest thing for me is Parker, Jancis Robinson, Tony Terlato, uh, just an enormous amount of titans in our industry through the years, one way or the other, kind of gave me the wink, the head nod, pulled me aside at an event and said, hey, what you did for this industry was real. And, uh, and in 2009, my brother graduated college and I started the process of building VaynerMedia. Well, let me, so yeah, you, and I, you and I did a radio show at Sirius XM called Wine and Web. And when we did that, it was- When was the first episode? I think it was 2010, but when we did it, I pitched you a pure wine radio show. That's right. And you came back to me and said, I won't do it. I'm sort of done with that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm interested in digital and all this stuff. And I was able to go back to Sirius and convince them. But the question is... How big that, was your that, mustache then? It was huge. The shift from wine to digital... Yes, like, like, what was the moment? Why did that well, happen? We're, we're in my office. You had I, the agency already because I used to come down and see you there. Uh, I did, and I know you guys aren't hearing me right now, but, you know, I bought Twitter stock in 2009, Tumblr stock in 2009. Uh, YouTube's, for everybody listening, YouTube sells for $2 billion, and I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like, I've been right about everything for the last 10 years, and all I have to show for it is the best wine store in the country, which is amazing, but maybe I should own the Jets already. I'm like so right about the future. So I said the next time I feel it, I'm going to invest the way these people I read about invest. And so Twitter and Tumblr were that, then Facebook, uh, which was hugely a big deal. I, I haven't sold a single share of Facebook since. So made a lot of money on paper, started the agency. And you know it's really funny? So Please. like somebody famous said, you wanted to take your talents to digital. 100%. Like move it over. That's right. So you started investing, you started looking, you had the agency. And basically what I was able to accomplish in the wine world, I was able to accomplish in Silicon Valley as becoming a real name. There was this new term called super angels and Chris Saka and Dave Morin and Kevin Rose and Tim Ferriss and all these kind of fancy digital people that have gone on to be well known and successful. We were part of a little crew and I did extremely well. Um, but that that's even a term that, that dates you a little because an angel and a super angel was like 15, 20, 10, 25,000. Now that deal doesn't happen anymore. No, I mean the whole, and now it's a, it's a complete brouhaha of loserness. Like, you know, this was back when like people really were building products. Like now every kid that's a good student thinks they're a founder and an entrepreneur and they're, you know, creating the, you know, the Uber of popcorn machines and they think they're gonna do something. And so, yeah, I mean, we've lived through full circle of that. So um, and by the way, no different than back to wine terms, California cult wine craze, a lot of people went out of business, even more so the Australian and Spanish invasions of Dan Phillips and Jorge Ordonez in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, went to huge fame and then went, fell out of style. Um, so, you know, you always see bubbles, cryptocurrency right now, doesn't, by the way, Australian and Spanish wine, still great. Australian's hot again. Startups, Laps, still great. Okay. Crypto will be great. It's just that 99% of people are jokers in it right now. Right. So you get entrenched in digital, you get the agency going. But recently you've expanded into other areas. Let's talk about that. I mean, I, I introduced you as VaynerX, VaynerMedia. But within that universe, tell me about some of the other stuff in there. Uh, meaning Vayner Sports, yeah, my, Pure Wow, yeah, uh, Gallery Media Group, which Gallery. I started eighteen months ago. I bought PureWow.com. 
started a publishing company, launched 137 PM, a men's lifestyle brand. Um, in the next 30 days, you're gonna hear about uh, another VaynerX company. I started a holding company in the marketing space, different kind of angle. Like, yeah, listen, man. I'm. I launched a sneaker collab. I wrote five New York Times best-selling books. Look, very honestly, I, in a lot of ways, for the wine world, I feel that I will end up being like Dwayne the Rock Johnson is for the wrestling world, which is, the Rock has gone on and will continue for the next 30 years to go on to do, I mean, you know, there's a lot of jokes of him running for president. You know, I know him a little bit, I don't know if that's in the cards or not, but he's clearly gone on to become the most bankable man in Hollywood. For sure. And and he's a young dude, I've gotten to really know him, like he's got three acts in him. Whether it's politics, whether it's, I don't know, if I, you know, right. buy the WWE from Triple H. Business, after, like I don't know what he's gonna business. do, right. but he's got two to three acts in him. You know, I'd like to think I'm on a similar path. I'm very, in the context of this show, I'm very proud I grew up in the wine business. I love the wine business. And I think that the wine business eventually will be unbelievably proud that I came from it. I think the wine business that in 2006, 7, 8 rejected me. You know what I equate that to? Howard Stern and radio. They rejected him and now they realize the impact that he made on the industry. They rejected you as sort of being a little outside. Yep. And now without that, you know, things didn't happen, you know, the way they're happening I'm, now. I met somebody um, recently who I'm looking to do something within the wine space, and we'll get to that later. Uh, and she was like super nervous. And she made a joke, and she was like, man, this is weird. She like stopped in the middle of this conversation. She was like, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I never get nervous, like I've met a lot of famous people, but for her, cause she grew up on Wine Library TV and did, in social media, like I was cooler than, you know, Brad fucking Pitt. Oh, sorry, I can't curse here. That's all right. All right, so listen, you've always been great at seeing. You could just end it with great. Like this you're, is period. You're seeing the market before things yes. become a thing. Yes. You know, that's one of the things you're very good at. Yes. So while I have you, you can try and make some tell money? me, no, tell me some current trends or things that are going on, you know, now that are happening and maybe we're not paying attention to or we should be. I mean, I'll throw things out like Twitch, e-gaming, but, you know, round that all out for me today. Um, to, today, as we, we speak, I think that voice is unbelievably imp imperative. It's Alexa. hot now. Alexa, what is the Rhone Valley? Here's something I found on Wikipedia. The Tiber is the third longest river in Italy. The Tiber. Alexa's going to try to get together. Alexa, stop. Alexa. We're doing this for the show. I'm excited about it. Alexa, <laughs> tell me about Barolo. That's not right. <laughs> Look, Amazon, I'm trying to help you here, but... Okay. Alexa, what is silver oak wine? <clears throat> Too oaky. Hey, one for three, 333. That'll get Hall you in the fame. Hall of Fame. Not bad. I think the voice okay. is incredibly important. So voice is... If I was in the wine business only right now, I would try to produce the best... Alexa, stop. I would try to produce the single best voice app 
that helps you pair wine, this, that, the other thing. So just play that out for me because you can go to Delectable and look at Why? labels and wine. Too slow. Okay. Right? So, like, so I go to your app and I'm like, I'm cracking a bottle uh, Alexa, of- I'm opening up a Pinot Grigio. What should I pair it with? When that works, because it won't right now. Right. Chicken, That's oysters, right. whatever. Right. Okay, you so know, voice. Alexa, I'm here with my friend Seth. He's a beer drinker and not super sophisticated. What should we pair this <laughs> wine with tonight? When it gets to that, you know, it's going to get real good. But is that something that works and will stay, or is that just the thing for the next few that's years? That's something that's going to stick because it's going to save people time. I mean, okay. literally think about it. Like, hey, Alexa, I'm cooking. Alexa, I'm cooking. Enough with Hold Alexa. Hold on, I'm into it, Sam. Much more interesting than you. Hey, Alexa, um, what wine should I pair with uh, pork ribs? Sorry, I'm not sure about that. That is 24 to 36 months away, and when it gets going, it's going to get real, So real you good. do that with wine. You fix it. Alexa, it's faster. who's Sam Ben Ruby? Oh, boy. Well, wow, that's I'm, not you. Let's, hey, Alexa, who's Gary Vaynerchuk? Sam Ben Ruby's friend. Born in Tabriz, USSR, today Belarus, on November 14, 1975, and emigrated to the U.S. in 1975. All right, can we move on? Enough with Alexa. Well, Forget about Alexa. Listen, Alexa knew almost nothing, but it knew exactly right. who Right, so I that, that was an exercise in futility, all right? That's right. So things that are kind of happening now. So voice, what else? Um... So I think influencer marketing is super interesting for everybody listening to try to bring value to you. Explain quickly what influencer marketing is. Paying somebody on Instagram to post a photo or make a video with your product. So everybody who's got a winery right now, instead of buying stupid ads on winespectator.com or other stuff of that nature, and no, and by the way, Get no Chance the Rapper to hold your bottle. Yeah, but Chance is going to be more expensive than Wine Spectator, and it's not a dig of Wine Spectator, whether it's wine enthusiasts, whether it's getting your wine into Wine Library. I don't want to make it, you know, I don't want to make this about anything other than, boy, getting an attractive person holding your rosé on Instagram is probably going to sell you more rosé. Right. And we're pandering to, ooh, I hope the Washington Post says we're one of the 13 best rosés of the year. Meanwhile, like, attractive girl Y with 400,000 followers on Instagram, give her 100 bucks or 1,000 So clarify, bucks the bucks. attractive girl thing may be a more successful play than getting the play from a publication. 100%. Really? It's 2019. So that's influencer marketing. Yes, sir. Product in the right hand to the right audience and 100%. all that. 100%. All right, give me one more thing. Podcast. Podcast? I'm a big fan. Is it going to stay? Yes. Audio, written word, video will all stay forever. Do people have time? I mean, what are they podcast doing? They're listening give, in the gym, in the car? Podcasts give people time. Because I podcast and I don't listen to podcasts. Well, you're a hypocrite. And Thank you. <laughs> besides that, um, Nate, fix this. Sorry for everybody. I got to fix my phone. Um, I, I think podcasts are exploding because, Sam... People don't have time, which is why they don't have time to read and watch videos. But listening to podcasts. Pick what they want, who they want. Your enormous audience that listens to this, I'm sure that they're listening while they're running, while they're in the car. Away from what? Yeah, for life. (laughs) You know, when they're in the gym, when they're walking the dog, when they're, you know, traveling to, you know, Peru, there's a big gap in the messages. Um, And so, 
yeah, I just think that it's a huge, huge space. And so pod- podcast advertising, I think, is super important. Is there like a next iteration of podcasting? Or it is what it is? Um, I think for now it is what it is. I don't know what, you know, to me, audio finds new platforms, right? So whether it was terrestrial, whether it was serious, right now it's podcasting. Like right. to do a radio show. Right. And not to, to not do a podcast now if you're a big talent is a mistake. Everybody wants to do a podcast. 100%. It's, it's easy and you 100%. can get the messaging out however and, you know, whatever you want. A hundred percent. All right, let's talk a little wine now because this is a wine show, okay? Are you yes, ready, ready for that? I'm ready. All right, let's start with you've sort of been out of the racket seven, eight, nine years on a daily basis. Without being in it every day, yep. what kind of changes have you we, seen wine in wine? Libra- wine Library, my family business, sells more rosé in one day? So a shift of tastes and what people are drinking. Wine Library sells more rosé in one day in 2018 than we sold for the year in 2011. Did it take something over or? Well, I think it's cutting into white wine. It's a little of white wine. You know, white wine for sure. Cocktail, different thing. You know, beer, uh, water. So rosé as a trend, you feel it. What else? Um, wine in a can. I'm watching that right now. That's super interesting to me. There are a lot of influencers Boy, that are, you know, marketing it, sommeliers, winemakers, yeah, people in the business. Um, uh, Any traditional? Cal- California being neutered a little bit in its kind of California ways, meaning my career in 20 years was the growth of the California explosion. I would call it the steroids era. The it's pulling you, back. The reason you bought all that stuff, Bryant, Colgin, Harlan, Bray, all that stuff, I think that that was the steroids era. And I think people are going back to natural wine, balanced wines. In pursuit so, of Pinot Noir. Yeah, and even Pinot was overdone. Restrained. Guys just, like Steve Mathiasen and Dan Petrosky. Yeah, and, and those guys are not as far as long as they like to think they are, meaning... It's working in the nerd community, but these jerkers here, like Seth and Alex, who have no clue, right. they shook their heads to rosé in cans. They are so lost right now. If you look at the blank stares on their face right now that we're talking <laughs> about natural wines or, you know, like, there's so much nerdum in our wine world. So, like, Matthias and these guys, they're on the right side of history. Their problem is it's still nerdum. When we talk about balanced California wines or less alcohol, like, these jerkers are like, what? You talk about cans and rosé, they're like, yeah. So, there's certain things that are cultural and happening to the masses, and then there's things that are inside baseball, right? Right. You... Trouty sitting here in his like bougie white shorts, like they're like, yeah, like I really care about Tanat and like natural wines, and you know, and Gamay, and then like Seth and Alex, just a bunch of twenty-year-old dudes are like, Trout's a bougie nerd. So there's there's nerdy nerdum in sort of every category, but wine, it it sort of ratchets up more. You know what's funny? I got into the advertising industry and I realized creative people. The creative directors, the people that make these TV commercials, they do the same thing that wine people do. They use their opinions to try to impose it as will, based on pedigree, awards. Get, I think I know what you mean, but but explain that, that to that me. The person that made the Where's the Beef commercial 30 years later is walking around and saying she or he knows better than anybody else in the same way that somebody gets a Master Psalm degree and all of a sudden whatever they say at per se 
goes as gospel. Because of that? Of course. Because they're a per se or because they did that creative thing that broke through? Yep, awards and ratings and, you know, Helen Turley walked around like a big shot because Parker said so. Right. Like, I don't know what to say. So, right. like, I think one of the things that has always made me difficult for the establishment is I don't respect the establishment when it is not consumer-centric. Right. I the agree end. with that. And so I think that's why I'll be historically correct, and I think that's why industries like the advertising industry and the wine industry have struggled with my entrance because I'm calling out the emperor has no clothes. Agreed. And that makes me unbelievably unpopular to the establishment, but makes me tremendously popular with the consumer. But that never stopped you? No, mainly because the thing that really sucked for everybody that competed with me is I also have talent. So I'm not just doing it as my, you know, like right. I put in the work, I had talent. Like, right. you know, I'm, I'm not fun that way. Like if, you know? Right. It's totally genuine and it's you're my there truth. It's my truth. Every day, yeah. 20 hours a day. That's right. That's right. All right, I hate to single out millennials, but I'm curious your take on the effect that millennials are having on the wine business because of purchases, what they're doing in restaurants. I mean, I don't think they want to go for big money, low attention span, don't give a crap. How do millennials affect wine? Not the world, but let's just talk That's a great question, great question. I'm proud of you. That's the best question I've ever heard you ask. Um, I think that what they've done well is they've, there's a couple things that I think are interesting. Look, rosé and canned wine and all this stuff is a millennial foundation. Um, so they've been open-minded to different things, right? Like big muscular dudes being- But, but go let's go backwards. Is there a reason, is rosé big with millennials because it's a little lower alcohol and no, they can drink more? No, it's cool more. on Instagram. It's cool, and, okay. And, and canned people, wine is cool and convenient. Yeah. Just and what, that stuff, look, nothing else. If you're not winning on Instagram, you're not winning with under 30. Okay, so like continue. These jerkers that we keep looking at and making fun of, like they see some pretty girl on a swan, a blow-up swan in a pool. At a pool. And they like it, and then they're like, oh, she's drinking pink wine. If right. I drink pink, pink wine, wine maybe she'll hook up po- with right. me. No, guys, yeah. you have no shot. Yeah. So, <coughs> look, and so I think that that's kind of what's going on. Okay. You know, but what about like in restaurants, you know, with wine they lists and stores? the second least expensive wine. So, it's, so wait, you're a wine retailer family. Yep. Is the future rosy with millennials? Of course, sort because of the millennials next... think they're cool until they get old, and then they do the same thing everybody else does. All right. Every generation is the same. Sam, you're part of the generation that went the best naked, generation ever. naked on Earth Day. You went crazy for Earth Favorite Day. Favorite holiday, okay? <laughs> so you loved Earth Day. You went to Wisconsin. You hooked up in the first 24 hours Total with some child sunflower. Of the 60s That's right. 70s. Some sunflower girl came in That's and was like, it, hey, is this your room? And you're like, yep. And like, That's it. That Boone's thought, Farm. That's right. You thought you had Lancers. You Lancers, you, you, Rose. That's that right. was a big night yeah. out. And Lancers. I think you thought you were, gonna, you were going to change the world. You and, Chance, and Janis Joplin and fucking. And, you know, what was your slogan? Head, We're going to change the world. You know, uh, you with a little bit of me. Maybe we'll change the, the world. world. The wine world. Right? That's right. So I think that you are of a generation that was super ideological. You hated your parents. No, not, not you. me. No, you're good and guy. not you. No, no. But, but you I think I mean. that you generation. Know, listen, yeah. What year did you go to college? I was in college seventy three through seventy seven. Right. So like 
actually you were like doing disco by the end and like by the end it was yeah, like Donna you were like Summer whatever it took yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I know how you roll like Studio uh, yeah, 54 exactly. was big in New did York. you get into Studio 54 I did you did was connected yes tell me you we I gotta knew, break the show for a minute I knew people how the hell did you get into Studio 54 my dad knew a lot of people <laughs> <There we go. laughs> okay did he give you the jacket he gave you the jacket no 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 you wore that like Huckapoo <laughs> shirt or whatever um, alright listen let's move on with the so millennials are the same they are right like all these parents that crap on millennials you made them Right, like which was uh, a recent rant of yours. It's like you yeah, know, eighth place trophy. Yeah, like you didn't you want know. your kid to be upset ever. No wonder they don't want to do anything. Like you made it so cozy for them. Stop paying for their Uber and their and half their rent, and maybe your kids will do something. But no, see, I didn't do that. What did you do? Well, you know, I made my kids work, and well, that's why you, you know, have good kids. Right, different, but. There's, you know, you go coach Little League and you see every other parent and kid. You know, it's like it's a bad worst. thing and all. Of I that. got yelled at this weekend by Why? my wife because my son wants to quit playing soccer because I destroyed him in one-on-one soccer. Oh, boy. And I'm not, and he's five, and like I, you know, you got, you and I, it. I'm not interested in like, like I don't care. Like he's, he thinks I'm his mother. He's like, I'm never playing soccer again. I'm like, good, you suck. <laughs> like you know, he thinks he's playing with his you, mom. You got, like, you got to pull it back. You got to pull it back. I'm not pulling it back. All right, listen, last everybody. time you were on the show, yeah. we talked about wine trends. Yes. And one of the things that you pointed out, you said that Barolo. Barolo is underpriced. Now, I'm not saying that didn't happen. I still think it's very happening. But what happened? And I brought a Barolo. But what happened? Educate me. Like, is no, Barolo no, no, going I up think, in price? What's happening? No, Barolo is a very sought-after wine. And Trouty's shaking his head aggressively. No, no, no. I, I was, think that I was a that? good call. I really need it. All right, it. so let's stay Guys, in that I'm vein. I'm one of the smartest people let's to ever talk be in the to, wine Let's talk business. to me in your mind. Stay in the wine category. Let's talk about any future trends or Gamay. what Underpriced. Who? Beaujolais Cruz. I just said that before. You love that? You said you like Beaujolais right Cru now. Cru Beaujolais. That's right. Okay. I agree with you. Okay. And as you know, and here's the best part about the mm. internet. Go watch videos I made in 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10. I was awfully All big there, advocate. right? Yeah, I was a huge advocate of it. Here's my belief. Why? Red wine, red wine to pair with light food. Gamay. Red wine. I think Gamay is the hottest grape. Red wine to pair with light food. What, like, what's light food to you? Like chicken fish. and pasta fish, fish and salad. all that stuff? Like a lot of people as they get more educated at age say like, oh, like I got into wine. I like rosé. Ooh, I want to get into red wine, but I want something light. Right. Gamay. And not like shitty Pinot Noir or whatever. Yep. But but Gamay is part of Burgundy. It's just it a different grape than Pinot Noir. All right, any other regions, varietals, producers, you know, that you think Here's trend-wise? What I, would say. I would say this is probably... This so is, Cru this Beaujolais, is a, I'm a making far, a note of that. This is a far-fetched prediction grounded in intuition more than I did. With Barolo, I knew. It just made too much sense. What Burgundy did, it's just supply and demand. Barolo doesn't make enough wine. The makers and the quality. It just right. sense. Right. Uh, it, it's a good call. Here's a fun call. In a world of rosé and canned wine, I think wine is starting to go through its first commercialization for real. What you does know? that mean? What I mean by that is, back to our two dopes over here, Alex and Seth, right? Very dopey. They are buying wine, if they are, in a little bit different way than John and Nate, who are old now, did a decade ago. Let's say that they didn't even get into wine. When you bought wine as a 23 to 27 year old a decade or two ago, 
there was a respect for the wine. You felt out of place. They still feel that, but what canned wine- A reverence for it, uh right? But what canned wine and rosé has done is made them look at wine a little bit more similar to beer and liquor than let's say a decade ago. Now, I believe that. And I even looking at all your body body language, everyone's like, yeah. You know, a, a, a white claws and all these things, they make it feel comfortable. Spike seltzers, there's a lot going on, right? I think wine, so here's my far-fetched left field idea. I think an entrepreneur will come along and she or he will produce a inexpensive white that will start to push against, uh, and I don't mean, I don't mean, I mean a four to $10 white that will be marketed more like Snapple, like LaCroix, Spike Seltzer. Like Spike Like I think somebody's gonna come along and make an under $10 wine. But with quality or just the no, gimmick? No, More of the gimmick More, than the quality? Listen, the way technology is, like anybody can make good wine now. It's crazy right. how good a $7 wine could be. I think whether it's Uruguay, whether it's Mexico, some cockamamie, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to diss on Mexican Uruguay. Let me say it a different well, way. Baja's I, hot now. Uruguay's making you know, great tanats. I'm obsessed. That's why I brought those two places up. Those right. are places I admire. Some Finger Lake. Killer. Somebody is going to come from a tier three, a tier four wine, Virginia, a tier four region, make a crap load of wine at eight bucks and market it like it's never been marketed before. So it's before. more about the marketing 100%. than the wine. Okay. Something's gonna get hot, right? Something's gonna come out in the next three. Now that we're consumerizing wine. Is it wine, in the industry? Is somebody in there to do that? It's a good idea. Is somebody yeah, gonna I do think it? somebody could. You know, whether okay. it's the Franzias, whether it's kind of like. Well, a lot of people come up to you and say, what should I do? There's a lead, go out and do it. I think somebody's gonna buy up a ton of juice and make a wine that comes from a place that doesn't normally make big time wine, that like, for example, our two dopes over here, they're not gonna know that blue boot white, or like whitey white white, <laughs> might not work right now, but like, you know, they're not gonna know that it's from Bolivia. Right, doesn't matter. It's not gonna matter. Doesn't matter. They're gonna know that everybody's drinking it. Right, that's what's important. It's an Ibiza and Coachella and the Hamptons that's what's and important. like, Everybody's drinking it, and it's five bucks. Oh, and it comes in a, you know, a pouch. Like whatever it's gonna be, it's gonna be. It's an interesting point. It, the point is and that canned can wines and rosé have made it normalized, where you don't even think about it, you don't even care about the stigma. It's actually the best thing that's ever happened to wine, and I think like or like half wine, half beer. Like I don't even know what I just said, but like. I don't know if that. What works. would a concoction of that like ain't half, no Arnold Palmer? No, but like I think. But some kind of concoction bucks, that makes sense where the mix is right. Yeah, that's my prediction. Like rosé. Then in the next uh, five years, there will be a million cases sold of something. And by the way, this has happened before. Wine coolers. Like if I said this two years before Bartles and James, I'd be recalling this clip as a genius because it came out of left field or Zima. So about a month ago, I had a guy on the show, Roger Trinquero, mm-hmm. and he told the story about a mistake he made with Zinfandel, and it was the birth of white Zinfandel, which became 
you know, Sutter one of the great, you know, you, yeah, totally. Changed the game. It, it, you know, it was a crazy story. All right, Gary, I have a bunch more questions Who's about wine. Who's your favorite guest on this show you. Pro- besides me? Um, you, the second time. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Gary Vaynerchuk. You're listening to The Great Nation. We'll be right back. Favorite guest when we come back. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. Roth is in its 25th year of making specialty cheese in the rolling hills of southern Wisconsin. With strong Swiss heritage, Roth is best known for its award-winning alpine-style cheeses under the name Grand Cru. Fresh Wisconsin milk, combined with expertise and affinage, is how Roth creates high-quality, great-tasting cheese year after year. In 2016, hard work paid off when out of over 2,000 contenders, Roth Grand Cru Surchois was named world champion at the World Cheese Championship. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. All right, we're back. We're talking to Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, we're talking wine with Gary. We have a few more wine questions. Then I want. What to su- about the? Key I question. want to subject him to our wine. Guest, non me. The seventy-eight other guests. I assume nobody's done this twice. Uh, Laura Catena did it twice. That makes sense because you employed your son. Yeah. And so. Well, I, I met up with her at the uh, Naples Wine and Food Festival. Oh, how'd that go? That was fun. We, we spoke to a lot of people. Very then. bougie out there, right? Very bougie. Napa's Every, very bougie. The youngest person there was me. 79. No, me, yeah. which is very <laughs> sort of encouraging. Were you like the hot ticket? Like, oh, look at that piece of you meat. You know, uh, very uh, encouraging and all yeah. that. All right, I got to ask you this, because we do the show out of Roberta's in Brooklyn, and Brooklyn is sort of, Roberta's in Brooklyn's the special place. There's this natural wine movement going on, and Brooklyn is ground zero for the natural wine movement. And I want to get your take on it, if there is a take and what you think, because to some people, it's a huge deal. And to these guys that we've been looking at the whole show, they have no clue what it is. So tell, just give me, just riff for me a little on, you know, natural, organic, biodynamic wines, which is a very passionate topic to some people. Listen, I think it's super cool. I, I personally enjoy the flavor profile of a lot of natural wines, but we have to recognize that when Ground Zero is Brooklyn and it's Hipster City, like there's a specific reason. And what's great about Hipster City is that either it becomes mainstream, like organic food, or it doesn't, like let's all not poop in the toilet and let's all compost in our living room. Like, you know, so, you know, again, you like that? I like that. I got that. you on that one. I like that. <laughs> I don't get you often. You no, know, no, no, no. It kind of made sense. That made a ton of sense. I mean, totally. like the bottom line is natural wine, I think, is a really nice niche. The wines are very good. I'm a fan. They go great with food. I mean, you feel great the next day. There's a lot good. The story is if you're eating organic food, why are you not drinking organic wine? That's right. And there's enough out there, but that hasn't gotten traction This gets into the, when all my friends tell me like, don't use like this or screw that product. And meanwhile, they're wearing Gucci bags and the (laughs) textile industry does more damage to the, like when everybody gets on their altruistic high horse about the environment, I tell them. On their private jet. Yeah. I mean, don't even start. Right. Like in their in their Hamptons house with like right. I just vomit all with their car. So they, natural right. wines, yes, you recognize them, you drink them. It's a movement that, like you said, could have traction and be a thing, or you know maybe I don't think it's going to be a thing. You don't? No, I'll tell you why. I don't think 
I don't think there's enough wines in the natural wine movement that think commercially enough. Totally. I just know that from it's talking to sommeliers and winemakers. It's anti-establishment. Definitely. So you that that's your world is you know marketing and social. Listen, my they world is both. I just don't like right. when people are full of shit and half I, I pregnant. Think, I and think like, that's a good like, point. That's it. Like, like it's great. Like, I love the Four Seasons, and I love a weird hotel that's a right. one-off, and they're Something both great. Funky, right. And like, I love natural wine, but like, like don't impose. Like, this is like, listen, this is my concern politically. Well, there's like, definitely an imposition movement. Like, this is what you should be drinking, and well, I mean, why like, are you not drinking I everything mean, else? That's right. And everybody makes it, you it's feel a little bad. crazy, you know. Yeah, All I mean, right, this is so, like people like Trouty, right? Like you just no, Trouty's not, not a big uh, natural guy. Trouty right. likes natural wine. So trout, good natural wine. Petnat is a fun wine, a good once fermented sparkling wine. All right, so before we leave the wine thing, and I want to ask you about my wine list, and then we'll taste a little wine, and I'll get out of here. You're working on something called Gary V's Secret Wine Project. There's a there's there's an Instagram. There's an Instagram page that says Gary V's Secret Wine Project. Can you talk about that? I can. Would you please? Sure. First of all, you're an investor in it. Full disclosure. Uh, and so that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> There's nothing more you could say about it? I'm trying to think about what I can say. Um, we, I'm, listen, Nate and Trout are here for a reason. We Nate are, and Trout are two people that two work at VaynerMedia right. that have been with you many years. That many Nate started as an intern at Wine position. Library. Trout started as an intern at Corked, a wine social right. network I bought but, at one point. Right. Um, they're both two very good and gentlemen. And they're working with you. They're working with me. They're my partners in this business. It is, uh, it's very secret. Okay. It, when does it become an unsecret? Uh, when I'm the first three-time guest on this show and announce it. Could be. Could be. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be unsecret Give me a tickler then. Okay. So Later in September? So I'll set this up. So sometime in late September, October. Maybe November. There'll be an announcement on Gary Vee's Secret Wine Project. Yes. And like I said earlier, your social is ubiquitous. So yes. you'll be able to pick it up on all of that. Look, I think that what I recognize is there's a space to disrupt. I'm very driven by things like Prisoner and Mayumi and there's a lot of cool stuff going These on. These delicious blended wines, field At blends, different cases. every time. Like right. you can keep your 40 cases a year sold of natural wine. That's not my jam. Like, And by the way, I love that. And I respect it to no end. Just not my DNA. You know? Right. Um, you know, it's not who I am. and Well, you know who you are, you know what works, and you know what you want to jump into. That's and right. obviously when you make an announcement, it'll do that. All right, I'm going to subject you to a thing called the wine list, which is my guest wine preference. But before that, <clears throat> tell me this. You've been doing a lot more inspirational, motivational, yeah. and educational social media stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fair because I've known you long enough there was a time where it was always about you. Mm -hmm. Now it's more, you know, about everyone else. Tell me about the things right now that are exciting you the most. I appreciate you know, that. what Look, you're doing. What you're referring to is I'm going through a very weird time. Like I uh, coming to this interview, I walk two blocks. Two blocks in Hudson Yard. Like there's nobody here. 
This is not the. This is like. Yeah, they will be. This is like the end of the New Yorker poster map. Took like three selfies in one second. <laughs> I've gotten to a. I was at the. Uh, I, I'm just in a very weird spot in my career right now where. But explain what that means. It means that with close to four million followers on Instagram, when Instagram's the thing, it's no different than being a VJ at the height of MTV. Right. Like You're I'm there. I'm in the mix, brother. If you are a 17 to 28-year-old male in America, there's a really solid chance I'm on your radar for real. And that is interesting. And what I what you're referring to is I feel this weird sense of responsibility. I was really parented well. I had really good circumstances. I I think that I can bring some value out of kids thinking I'm cool and I am pushing gratitude and positivity and work ethic, you know, I'm both yin and yang, left and right. I'm, I'm talking about being a good person and all this kind of like very fluffy stuff and meanwhile the next word out of my mouth is, oh I yeah, want, I work 18 rip your hours face a day. Off. Yeah. Right. yeah, there's a really funny post I had on Instagram in August that looked like, you know, you know, if you're confused, it's gonna be kindness and this and that. And I ended with like F face. I'll see you in 2030. Like I wrote right. it on purpose, which is like it was fluffy, fluffy, fluffy. <laughs> and I was like, I'll see you F faces in 2030. And it was like a perfect like, hey, I'm an alpha male. You know, honestly, I'll be honest with you. It's really interesting. I realized, oh, wait a minute. LeBron's doing it my way too, or I'm doing it his way. He's super alpha on the court. He's like one of the most imposing physical beasts we've ever seen. He's got the beard right now. He's like doing all of it. His muscles are like uncomfortable. Have you seen him? He's just a monster. He's a monster. Meanwhile, he's the best dude. Good dude, guy. Dude, he's doing it the best. Why Trump's dishing on him, but his well, wife I came mean, to the yeah, rescue. I mean, and so, who did? Melania oh, said what he's doing is great and kind of contradicted uh, yeah, Trump, so there. we'll leave it at that. So. So you're doing a lot more of that stuff, which is really I nice. I am using Instagram, which has a lot of attention, to get a message to 17 to 27-year-old males, and anybody for that matter, around self-esteem. I, yeah, I'm really into this Oprah takeover I'm on, but at the same token, I, um, I, uh, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you're like, what is he talking about? Different. Different. You know, I meant to ask you this earlier. And just give me a quick answer on this. Yes. You make a reference to Instagram. You make a reference to 4 million. You make a inst- uh, reference to how you can use it as a platform. Where does that put Snapchat? Snapchat's lost a lot of, you know, listen, I'm a heavy owner of Snapchat I, I know that. Snapchat doesn't innovate in the next year, year and a half. It's over. So, so they're kind of on the hot seat in a sense. I'm disappointed. Because give it to Instagram. They've Absolutely. done some cool stuff. Or few- they've reacted. They, properly. they properly said, hey, stories is a feature. Right. And we're going to go at it. And it worked. All right. Enough of that. I want to subject you to my wine list. I ask all my guests their wine preferences. Now, the big secret here is nobody knows wine more than you. Nobody's been around wine more than you. But you don't drink as much wine as everybody. You know what's funny? So I've drank more this, wine. this, this five question I, thing. You know, there were people like Trouty would be more well versed. Yes, but I think Trouty, how much wine do you drink per week? Truthfully, don't bull crap. Uh, three bottles. Degenerate. Um, is that two bottles with, is that with 
So my, 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 thing, my thing that's interesting is I'm tasting more wine than ever. I actually like when wine. When you say tasting. Well, I go out so much in business meetings and I'm trying different so stuff. So you're not going to drink heavily, but you'll make sure that if there's two, three bottles. I'm not taste. like you two right, guys. So let's do that as drunk. a segue. So yeah. the first question is, what are you drinking now voluntarily? Like you mentioned Cru Beaujolais this earlier. Weekend, are there things yeah, seasonally? Yeah. I've been drinking a ton of Gruner Veltliner. I've been Great drinking. Summer wine. I've been drinking a ton of Rudy Pickler, whites. P i c h l e r, terrific wine. All right, so that's what you're drinking now. That's a seasonal answer, right? Yeah, though I'm drinking. But they're a lot great wines. Okay. In general. All right, tell me. I don't even know if you have one, but we ask everyone favorite wine and food pairing. Is there something that comes yeah. back? Yeah, yeah. I'm what actually you- very hot on something right now. I'm drinking a lot of Amarone with cheeseburgers. Serious. Mm-hmm. And tell me why that works. Well, you know, we're coming off the summer. Right. And I was spending a lot of time with my family in real life. And the hedonistic aspect of like, like right off the grill cheeseburger. And, you know, I've gotten decent at this. Like I've got it. Like I've gotten figured out. It's not like a hockey puck. No, it's definitely not. Right. And right off the grill. And it's in your mouth within, you know, 10 seconds. Right. And you ever get the juice dripping down I your do. arm? And then I lick my arm and my wife gets crazy. There you go. And I oh, I think Amarone, just the hedonistic nature of just like the, the over meat, the top. The meat, the fat, uh-huh. the juiciness. It's just kind of one of those things where it's like. So Amarone and cheeseburgers. Yes. And it works with the cheese too. It just works. I, I, I All love right, so it. So Gary V's favorite wine and food pairing, ch- grilled cheeseburger and a nice Amarone. Now, just to go back earlier, Amarone. And I'm fancy now, right? So you're a fancy Del, guy. But it's Del Forno. Like, these are 400. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, I'm rich. The, you know, you know the one so, with the script on the bottle, so three, like, 400. Yeah. But was, you stated Amarone was your breakthrough wine. That was the wine. Oh, that's interesting. You know Is what? That, was that it, or was that a random example? That, ha- you know, that's just kind of super But that was one of the wines no, that. No, that was the moment where I okay. tasted wine. All right. Tell me you're around a lot, and this is not to box anyone in or leave anyone out, but favorite wine restaurant and or bar in New York. Is there any place you've been? And this is pointed towards wine. Uh, Selection, service, knowledge. I haven't been around a lot because there's two or three places I go to a lot for business purposes. I will say I was super intrigued by how Legacy Records rolled out their wine list. Super so you have eclectic. like all-stars doing the wine list. Yeah, I really Poor. liked it. I really like what they did there. Um, Legacy that, Records is the Charlie Bird, Pasquale Jones guys. And it's close to the office here. Right. I'm unbelievably looking forward to six months from now here in Hudson Yards when this mall opens up. Keller, Chang, right. like there's gonna be like David the Chang, wine spectator supposed to be opening something rad. I'm fired up. I feel like I'm gonna really hit it hard. Okay, so those are good ones. Do you have... A favorite all-time wine, or the coolest one, two or three. There's a lot. I got stories, so I got a lot of different stories. So I'll <laughs> go fast here. 1970 Vegas Cecilia Steve Verlin, may rest in peace. Co-founder of Veritas, the wine restaurant in New York City in the late 90s that kind of created the cruise and the others. Tim Kopeck. Uh, Hot dogs and 70 Vega mags was his thing. I was a young kid in my 20s, blew me away. 1990, Paul Roger, Sir Winston Churchill. Wait, hot dogs in Vegas, Sicilia? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was amazing. And then Paul Roger Champagne. 47 Chevel out of a mag. 
92 Stonehenge Cabernet, the first Cabernet I ever had, first wine, it was a $10 wine. First wine I ever bought 500 cases of blind and then the spectator gave it a 90 and it was the first time like everybody in like. Stonehenge? Stonehenge. No Stonehenge. Big deal. Very From new. Napa? Or Sonoma or? I think it was Napa Appalachian at the time. I think and it was California. 10 bucks retail? 10 bucks. And I bought it and I tasted it and I was like, this is crazy, this is silver oak. I was like crazy, I was hyperbolizing as a kid. I bought, I said, dad, I'm buying this all, I'll sell it. The summer's coming up. Did he up. give you I'll crap s- about No, my buying? dad's awesome like that. You know my dad. Yeah, He'll yeah. give you crap if you, like he, yes, but like, like he. He never pulled back on you on he that. He knew. He gave you the space. He, after I sold all the Kenwood Chardonnay, one day as like a 14 year old, he's like, all right. I mean, when you're 15 and you look eight and you can sell a lot of wine on the floor, and you're you got like something. A, and you're like a D plus average. <laughs> no, F minus. <laughs> F minus. <you know. laughs> uh, Stonehenge was a big one. Uh, the, one more. The 2005 Bordeaux's in general. I went to Bordeaux, it was my first time kind of buying. So emotionally, because you were there, but it was, was also so- a good vintage. Well, it ended up being a really good vintage, yeah. or I don't know how now everybody looks. No, no, no. Oh, five is considered. And I uh, went and didn't know, and it was before Parker went, and before anybody anointed it. Do you remember anything specific? Osson. Osson's a great wine, anyway. Anything else? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Opai. Uh, uh, H a u t b a i l l e y. By the way, I'm really out of the wine game. Jesus Christ, what's the one? Uh, uh, Baron of uh, Jesus Christ, Lacoste Baron. Lacoste Baron. Um, what's the one with the gate on it? Um, the one with the Jesus gate Christ, is, so yeah, you're right. It is um, oh, Leoville Lacoste, which is always a high rate. That's I not it. Leoville Lacoste, but it's not that. Anyway, uh, the bottom line is the right, uh, the left bank really impressed me. It did. And I was like, ooh, these wines are awesome. And that was when I was starting to weed off of California Colt. Right. Well, you know. And so the timing was really good. My but palate, a good transition because yeah, big, I was super bold, on, reds look, and all my, that. Like if, if, if you guys went and looked at the sales at Wine Library from 1996, top sale items, top 500 items sold in the store from 96 to 2010, man, did I know what the hell was going on. Look. Nailed it. I am one single person. I don't care about anything in the middle. I don't care about Jancis, Parker, Shankin, the distributors, anything. I don't care about anything. But that's part of your compass. Your compass is not to worry about anyone else. Advertising now. So it goes back to then. So you felt it then as you do now. Do what you want and what you feel, right? Everybody made fun of me for buying all that New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc and then Cloudy Bay hit. Cloudy Bay. Like I just knew. And by the way, when I was buying it, it was Norton Black Label. Jesus. Norman, Norman. Last question. Norman is from Argentina. Last question. And the reason we ask this is to help our listeners, to help guys like uh, these guys and Ben, Will, the dopes. We have a lot of winemakers with Jake. We have a lot of sommeliers on. So give, and you would know this because you've been a retailer for a long. Give me your best wine around 15, 20 bucks. So these guys are going to like a nice dinner party. They don't want to bring a crappy bottle of wine. They don't want to spend $8. They want to spend 15, 20. Give me a red, give me a white. You can give me a maker. You can give me a region. Dolcetto. I think Dolcetto Dolcetto is crazy uh, underpriced. A Nebbiolo from Italy. Crazy underpriced. Like watching real now, Dol- there's Dolcetto da Alba, yep. and, and that's where I would go. 
Okay. And there's other dolcettos that I like, but let's just go with Dialba. That's what most people carry. Okay, so listening. for a red, you go to Italy. And like Scavino. Like how much is Scavino dolcetto Dialba these days? That's, pro- that's a little more than what I'm asking. It's probably 28 bucks. Not at Wine Library, $17.99. Let's go. Uh, so that's that. Could be right. All uh, right, give me a white. Uh, I'm partial right now. It's funny. Where I want to go is Alberino. The problem is the last three or four Alberinos I've had I haven't liked. Uh, pool, Why? Uh, I don't know. Oily, like just off balance. Oily? Lacking acidity. Really? I've yeah. drank a lot this summer, and oily is not something I'd yeah, use. Yeah, I've had a couple that I just haven't liked. You know Casa Marin Sauvignon Blanc from Chile? Spell C-A-S-A-M-A-R-I-N? Casa Marin Sauvignon Blancs from Chile. What are we talking, like 12, 14? Nah, they're like probably 20 these days. All right. So 20 is 20, 15, 20s in the range. I think Casablanca, Chile is one of the most interesting wine regions in the world that nobody gives a crap about. Okay. Good call. And, you know, for the dudes out there, like you get a Casablanca, it seems like, you know, Seth can definitely trick his wonderful girlfriend if he's like, look, baby, it's Casablanca. Seth's like craft beer, like craft beer crawling or something. She's awesome. She's All right, so, listen, she can trick him. She's. By the way, if you know the two of them, like she's, he's dating way over. We're seven. wrapping up the show, but before we wrap up, we do a thing called the weekly wine sip, and it gives me an opportunity to taste wine on the air. And okay, there's nothing more enjoyable to me than sharing a bottle of wine with you. So every week, when you, when you do this, every, can I ask you a question about your interview style? You go from normal talk to like what you're doing now, which is more like live read talk. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I've been in radio for 40 years. And what do you think that's done? It's instinctive. It's it's okay. it's it's modeling after what all are, the What's the buzz on your your ability to do this show? Like are you getting good reviews? Like what's happening? Um nobody gives a crap but I'm having <laughs> a good time and that's really all that matters. That's so. how we did it on Sirius. Right? Yeah. So All right, for our you, week Are you f- proud about the guests we had on that show? Do people freak out when they realize who was on that damn show? Who's who? Travis. So we did a show. Gary and I did a show on Sirius called Wine and Web. I alluded earlier to the fact that I pitched Gary, literally hunted him down to do a wine show. Like my my book signing for Crush It, my first book. I I mean, tackled him at a Barnes and Nobles or something. All these people in Columbus Circle. And like, you know, 20s. And then this like weird 46-year-old dude. Older. Mustache. Guys, if you think Glass. Tom Selleck had a good mustache, <laughs> this guy. So I, I mean, convinced Gary For to all think the hipsters about in doing, Brooklyn drinking natural wine, Gary your about, mustache has no shot against Ben Ruby's 2011 mustache. I convinced Gary mustache. to think about doing a wine show on Sirius. This is way before things were happening. And I eventually talked him into it. And we did a wine show, and Wait, as I alluded earlier, quick, the show was supposed TV to be all happening. about wine. Gary I just said, signed I'm not ten, doing it. I signed a ten book deal, right. and my first book way right. before. And I said we're doing the show pioneer. every Thursday night, and Gary said, "Well, I can't make the first seven shows." <laughs> okay, drove me crazy and all that. So, so we. You were heavily involved in helping book the guests. I mean, on the heavily involved, I booked all the guests. Almost on the tech side. <laughs> Who'd you book? On the tech side. Help me who you booked. Help three, me. Three out of seventy. 
Help me. Three out of seven. Give me one name. That on you the tech Give side. Me one name. Wait, wait. On the tech side, we had Tim Ferriss. Yep. He came out to our Christmas yep. dinner. Yep. We had Dennis Crowley when Foursquare yeah. was hot. We had uh, Chris Saka. We had, and then on the wine side, you know, we had the coolest guys like Randall uh, Graham, yes. you know, from California, who were contrarians. He literally had a wine. We our did first we have, show was have, David Pearson from. Uh, oh my God. From Opus, who That's I awesome. saw at the wine festival. I told him the story. And he didn't remember. He goes, I remember everything. That was the great semi regards to Gary. What about when we had Greg Buttle from the New York Jets? Greg Buttle, we 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 that was we got to pound a little flesh over there. That was the best. All right, so Gary, let's taste this wine. We're tasting a 2010. Yes, which was a 98 point vintage for uh, Nebbiolo. Spectator, everybody. 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 Not everybody. This, everybody this particular back. wine, this is the Fratelli. <laughs> By the way, everybody's listening at Wait, home. This is the, the fr- everybody was, he wasn't prepared for that question. It, not everybody rated the, the vintage 98 points. No, 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 no. I checked everything. No, Very well. I, I'm sure that Spectator, Parker, Enthusiast, that all these people didn't all agree that it was 98 point Galoni vintage. and Spectator. Okay, respect. Okay. Try to look it up right right. while we're in the air. This particular wine for 2010 Fratelli Alessandro, Barolo, from a specific vineyard, Monvigliero. This from Galoni and Parker is a mid-90 wine. I mean, we're talking 94. Parker hasn't reviewed wine in five years. It's Monica Larner. Correct. All right, who does our wine? So this wine... But don't say Parker's. Say Parker's Wine Advocate. But it's Parker's Wine Advocate. This wine... If if Wine Library sent an email and said 98 points Parker and it was Lerner, you'd be pissed. You'd be right about that. Thank you. So this wine on release was about 60 bucks. It's available now for twice that, all right? So, Gar, let's let's give it a taste. A sniffy sniff? What do we think of this? So sniffy... What do we get on the sniffy sniff? The nose is pretty good, actually. I get a little... Crushed rose petals, a little black is that soil. Typical of uh, Barolo crushed at rose times, petals. At times, I the the the, the chocolate soil and the cho- excuse me the dark soil is super interesting to me. It's definitely um I definitely feel like we're gardeners right now in the mid '80s in like the you know suburbs of Massachusetts, talking about how devastated we are that Buckner had the ball go under his legs. It's all right. All right, so we get rose. Pe- all right. So- Color. By the way, quick prediction. Brady goes down for steroids. Brady goes down for steroids. Yeah, random thought. Third period, 759. <laughs> Torn ACL. The, no. Uh, Goodell walks out and pulls him off the thing. I think the way he reacted to the Wes Welker thing or the Edelman thing was weird. So you think that may come back. There's something, there's something a, under yeah. the skin there and all that. All right, is this a typical Barolo color? Yes, you can. And how t- do you? It's sort of a ruby garnet, red. Yeah, you can ruby. see your fingers through it. It's not black. Yes. It's more red. It's not like these super Tuscan deep dark brooding. I mouthfeel typical uh, medium bodied. I will say this: is medium body a fair description for most Barolos, or they range? Some of the kind of like, you know, Mark de Grazia stuff gets a little. He makes it. That yes, right. hedonistic, uh, but in general, for the most part, yes. All right, what? Uh, let's go palette. Uh, rusty nail. Rusty nail. Rusty nail. Red fruits. Uh, yes, red fruits. Not this dark is, fruits. No cranberry. Uh, what about the tannins? Are there tannins in there? You know, there the alcohol's a little high in this wine. Is it? I think so. Trout. I I don't get that. No, yeah. me neither. Okay, well look. It's savory, two amateur right? palettes it's a savory here wine. and one genius. Um, for everybody at home, there's a little alcohol spike here. Um, All right. So we got that. What would you pair this with? P- 
pig. Pig? Pig. What kind? Porchetta? No, like suckling pig. Like, like, like a snout. Like, like, like go to the Breslin and go yeah. head to yeah. tail and get something yeah. funky, yeah. oily, yeah. greasy, yeah. rich. Yes. And all that. Yep. It's interesting. I love crispy pig skin. Well, that's on the outside of porchetta is usually, yeah, love. you know, crispy. This is all I can think of. I'm savoring. Like, I want it right now. All right. Now, so we're in New York City. It's 1030 at night, by the get way. Get anything you want. By the way, everybody York. listening, okay. this guy, like, kept me hot. Like, he's like, if you don't do this show, we're not friends. You're talking about me. Yeah. After 20 yeah, years of friendship, we're okay. six. What's okay. the vintage rated? It's okay. What do you got? 97. 97. 1.2 many, Ben Ruby. Exposed again. Spectator. Dugaloni. Dugaloni. You're too cheap. Everybody to listening to right now, I don't know how he's going to edit right. it, but he's been exposed. Do we like this wine? Uh, like, love. Okay. Oh, I love that. Uh, I like it a lot, actually. You Other, do. I like it. I'm a little worried about the alcohol. I think it would blow off. How long has it been open? This I we opened it here before the show. An Makes hour. Sense. Yeah, an I, hour. I, I, it could have blow off My in a couple hours. Little, listen, when you have so a great palate, so if you decanted it, yeah, it when you have a great palate, hypersensitive. I know these guys over here who are solid wine drinkers couldn't detect it, but the alcohol was definitely coming through. All right, so we like this wine. This is the 2010 Fratelli Alessandria Barolo Monvigliero. 2010, great vintage. There's been great vintages since. 97 points. Gary touted over a year ago on the show that Barolo was a great play. Are you impressed with my ability? Like, like I'm out of the game, a little rusty, but came right in, did your show episode early 20, do you say? That's the dumbest question. No. You're impressed, right? (laughs) No. Okay. Freaking, I'm I mean, that's just like a dumb question. Sam, tell me this. Tell me this. You've been traveling to these wine events. Like, what's the? I mean, this. I'm not razzing. What's the coolest? Like, somebody saying, "Hey, I like, like, you know, it's fun to get like good feedback for your show." I'm sure people in the wine industry are aware of it. What is up? Uh, you know, you gone to a tasting, like a champagne tasting in New York City at the Puck Building, or what's been fun? Give me like, I'm, this is more for is, you. This is the, more for you because I love it. The fun thing is when I started the show, I yeah. pitched a show to Heritage Radio Network, which is a terrific online food, wine, bartending network, and they did a sommelier show, which was like inside baseball. I said, let me do a show where I could lay some knowledge on just you know the consumer and all that. They said, go ahead, do it and all that. So I started out, and I had to book all my guests and chase everyone down. You know, not beg people, just sort of tell them the story. And more people than not would come on the show. And it's the old, you know, I got Gary on the 10th show, so that helped getting the guy on the 15th show and all that. I would say today the show's been out there long enough with enough guests that all PR agencies, wine companies, and all that approach me now. That's cool. Now I have to decide, you know, what makes sense for this audience and all of that stuff. That's cool. So that's a fun thing. So that's like good props. All right, Gary, we're going to wrap up. Um, Let's do the social part. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation, and you'll help me promote that, Gary. Follow us on Instagram at SBenRuby and hashtag The Grape Nation. Twitter, I'm at BenRuby. Also, subscribe to The Grape Nation podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. We're going to post Gary's wine list answers, and we're going to post our uh, weekly wine sip online, Gary. Okay. Now, Gary, if... (laughs) This is... The silliest question I've ever asked any yes. guest. 
but I ask everyone, if we want to find you on social media, <laughs> where do we find you? If you log on to social media, okay. the default is my fat face. Uh, it's Gary V-E-E across all platforms except Facebook where it's just Gary. Right. And like I said earlier, there's a ton of content. You know, it's funny. When we yes, did sir. a show on uh, Sirius, yes. there was a guy, I forgot his name, but... It was important. This was 10 years ago. You said that if you Googled his first name, he comes up first on Google. I think it was Chris. I forgot his name. It wasn't Saka. But it was just amazing that this guy early on was so big in social that if you searched him, and he was kind of this funny, you know, goofy guy. I'm going to have to tell you off here who it is because I have to think about it. But, you know, now, obviously, if you Google Gary, I think... What happens? I don't know. I'm not sure. I know. I think it's right up there. Gary, Col- No, not Gary Coleman. Gary Clark. I don't know. All right. I want to thank our guest, Gary Vaynerchuk. Thank you to our engineer, you, Matt and Vitor at Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.